Today's just a really, today's a tough day. Today's a hard day. And I hope that um, everybody at home, you, you give that person next to you, um, whatever thing you have wrong in your life with them, if this might be small or big, let that go. Doesn't matter. I know I curse. I'm sorry. It's okay. None of that stuff matters, man. This is uh, it's about life and uh, being precious with every damn second we have here. Because it, from somebody who knows who almost happened to me like that, man, it's just over. It's done randomly, randomly, arbitrarily. And, uh, you know, his, his four girls and his wife, we, uh, we need to come around them and support them and help them. And the NBA should cancel all games today. Um, I don't really know what else to say. This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. Uh, AC, you know, we had a, a lot of uh, a lot of topics to cover this week, and uh, we're obviously not going to get to to them because mm-hmm. uh, the, the sports world and just the world in general lost. It's uh, just an icon uh, in, in Kobe Bryant and, um, you know, the, the other eight people that were on his on his chopper, uh, including his his 13 year old daughter, uh, Gigi. So yeah. um, we wanted to you know, kind of open this podcast up and, and do it a little differently. Um, and and uh, AC, I'll let you have the floor and, and just kind of give your thoughts on uh you know, I'm, I have goosebumps right now. I've been asking you this question. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is a day later, but it, it, doesn't, it still doesn't seem real to me. Uh, that's just kind of the, the guy that, that Kobe was in terms of his legacy, especially for, for you know, our age group. You know, we're both, you know, on the other side of 35. Right. And, you know, Kobe was, was you know, our guy. And he was my favorite player, uh, non-Duke player. Um, but I, I just want to, you know, Whatever you want to say about you know what you're feeling and and when you found out the news uh, of Kobe, um, you know just kind of your your thoughts, man. Yeah, it's it's very it 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 shows your life is short. It's 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 a different feeling, man. It's he's one of those people you just you don't think about them dying, like it, and not for any other reason other than he he was young. He it seemed like he still had so much. To, to give the world, you know, coming up with everything he was doing with his business and everything, his impact on basketball from the NBA all the way out the, all the way down to youth basketball, and and then and then and then to have to have his daughter with him, and then they're going to the basketball camp of all things. He's going to go help affect people's lives in a positive way. It's just it always seemed like it, it's always seemed like that's what he's done for so long now, and. Man, it's it's this one's different. It was it, this one hit different for sure. I usually get celebrities. It, it doesn't not that it doesn't bother me. I have a, a heart for everyone, but you know you, you you hear about it, you you hope everything's gonna be okay with their family, and you move on. But this one's difficult, man. It's very difficult, and it's you just you don't understand what it feels like to lose someone or something like that. Until it's some, like it's almost like you knew Kofi. Like it's almost like a friend or a family member, just because he's in. It, he's always in your face with something. Like he's he's on the floor at a basketball game. He's playing basketball. He's coaching. He's 
he's an Oscar winner. Like he's everything. He's involved in everything. And it's just, it's that one's it's rough, man. Cause for the better part of 20 years, a lot of what I do coaching wise, playing wise, everything with basketball, it, it a lot of it's re- re- surrounded things that he did and said, and, and it's just, and you feel for his family with everything that happened with, with his family. And, and I don't know, it's just rough, man. It's rough. Yeah, there's, you know, that's one of those times where, you know, people that listen to this podcast obviously know that we, we can certainly go on tangents and talk a lot. Um, this is one of those times where you just don't even know what to say. Uh, and and yeah. yesterday I found myself, uh, I had first gotten a text from a buddy of mine uh, with TMZ went and, and I clicked on it and it didn't work. Yeah, I thought and, it was like an Onion article at uh, first when I saw it, man. Yeah, and I, I go, and I, I my initial response was, man, that's fucked up. Somebody's gonna get fired for that. I, I just right. like my initial reaction is there's no way. And not not Kobe. It can't be Kobe. And um it, you know, it's kind of like you, my body went numb starting to realize you start getting texts from a lot of different people and like, um and it's like this is like your worst fears are coming true in terms of yep. I, he was in that helicopter and then your 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 mind immediately, you know, goes to um where his daughter was with him, where his wife was with him, and you hear that his right. wife was not, and you, you breathe a slight sigh of relief and just from that, and then the reports start coming out that that his daughter might be there as well, and you you just your whole body kind of just shuts down. And I didn't move uh, from from the couch when when I heard that news. I was watching uh, some of the golf and you know watching Tiger, and um, mm-hmm. you know that's you know kind of what what Kobe was. You know Kobe's on that that echelon of sports figures that had the grit and the determination and that work ethic that is so legendary that people are calling Tiger Woods, people are calling Michael Jordan, and they're calling Kobe Bryant for advice on yep. how to get, you know, we always talk about that Mamba mentality. Um, like people are calling to, to understand his mind because he was such a genius when it came and such a student of the game. And it's well-documented and, and anything that you read and anything you see about Kobe was all about um, how his mental toughness and how much smarter he was than everybody else on on the court um, and and even off the court. And um, you know, you talked about you know what he's doing for for youth and 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 everything. He he really went through that transitional period. Um, you know, after all the stuff that that he went through with you know the Colorado thing and um, you know Shaq leaving and yet he, he really had to. To, to re kind of brand himself in a way to become like, look, you know, you, you know, you can't be defined by your mistakes. You have to learn from them. And everything that he did for women's basketball, um, obviously on the youth side, but he always talked about the WNBA, you know, promoting the WNBA. Um, so many uh, girls that play college basketball look up to Kobe because of all the things that he's done for women's basketball. And he yep. does that because of his daughters and you know there's just so many different moments that we could talk about for Kobe but I think that in his um you know his last few years you really started to see that he he became more human and he was somebody that you know it he wasn't you know when he was playing it was just like that fierce competitor don't touch me you're not like like that's a guy I'm not gonna mess around with he's not a guy I'm messing with but right. after that, you know, after his retirement and his last, you know, his swan song uh, in his last year, his 20th year in the league, he just, he became more human. Um, he yep. showed some of that humility. And, and um, it's just like you felt 
closer to him than he ever did before, and maybe closer to a superstar that uh, he ever had before. And mm-hmm. um, I never met Kobe. I saw him play twice against the Wizards here in DC, but I never, you know, I never talked to Kobe. I never, never met him. But um, right. it, and it's, it, I don't know if it's weird to say this, but I, I, it, 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 it affected me. It still does. I mean, I'm in complete shock. Um, did this happen? And, and I was watching, and, and I'll finish up this rant, but um, you know, I was watching uh, Colin Cowherd today, and he had a bunch of guys on. And then after that, um, speak, speak for yourself with uh, Jason Whitlock uh, and Marcellus Wiley, and they had Jim Jackson on there. And, uh, and I started tearing up again because those guys couldn't even talk. They couldn't even talk. You know, those are guys that um, do this for a living and, you know, sports figures and um, you know, Whitlock was a huge critic of of, of uh, Kobe's for for so long. But it was just last week; it was surreal how Whitlock, Whitlock was talking about the man that Kobe's become, and right. how he goes he was just taken too soon. You know, I, I just started to see this Kobe Bryant that uh, was doing so much positive uh, for youth and and um, and for women that. You know, and, and knowledge is taken and, and in the worst possible way, and it's just it's not fair. And it's in the saddest way, isn't that the beauty of sports? Like the way it affects us and other people who are listening and other people around the world. I mean, that's the beauty of sports. It's and that's why sports still exists, and people always kind of ask why does it still exist, and you know, all, all the questions that go along with sports. But there's one thing about sports you can't take away, and that's that's just the human element of it, and the stories and how it feels like these athletes at times are almost like your next door neighbor or someone in your family or something. And you can relate to so many things that they do and go through at times. And yeah, he, especially very recently, I mean, he, he, with his family, even man, like happens, like I totally understand that because I'm, I'm in that same situation. It's, and, and yeah, I work for the fire department and, like I'm in a profession that I chose and I understand the risks that come on, come along with it. And those risks are explained to my family and things like that. And you do it as often as you can, but I mean, he's, he's not in that position. Like it's just, it's really sad when people are not in that position and you know, they just, they get taken away from their families and it's, it's awful. Yep. Uh, it is. And uh, you know, uh, and we can talk about uh, Kobe, in, in many different terms, but, uh, you know, this is a Duke podcast, and so we thought that it would be uh, fitting to talk about kind of the relationship that Kobe had with Duke and, and kind of transition yeah. there and, and talk about some of the positive stuff that he had a great relationship with, with Coach K, and that started uh, when he was uh, early on in high school. And, um, you know, obviously everybody knows that from Laura Marion, he, you know, went and he got drafted. Uh, by the Hornets, and then he got traded uh, famously to the Lakers, where he spent his entire career. But Coach K, um, you know, built a great relationship with Kobe at that time, and um, and we were joking off uh, offline about how uh, you know Kobe recently, uh, as you know, when ten year, within the last five or ten years, went on uh, one of the late night shows and said that uh, he wanted to go to Carolina because he wanted to match up with Vince Carter, and how he always wanted to play against the best, and at the time. You know, Vince Carter was that guy, and mm-hmm. um, but he he also said that he would have gone to Duke because Carolina Dean Smith didn't offer him, uh, and he, right. if he had gone to college, he would have gone to Duke. Um, and you know, 
so it kind of started there and it kind of transitioned from uh from from that to always wanting to he always wanted to be coached by coach k and mm-hmm. so when that when that opportunity presented itself uh in the olympics uh he who he had previously um not accepted Olympic invitations. Um, and so when he came in in 2008, it was kind of like, and I don't know how you felt, but um, I remember how I felt when I heard that Kobe Bryant was going to be part of that 2018. Uh, yeah. Going to Beijing. And we had just lost in, uh, was in Athens in 2004, right? Yep. Um, and I was in 2016, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that was the World Cup, right? And mm-hmm. um, so, so there was the only game that Coach K lost as uh, the Olympic team coach, as the USA coach. And uh, when, when, I, when, we, when we got the Mamba uh, to commit, I was just like, oh, we're we good now. Like, yeah. There's no way that that guy's going to let us lose. You know? right. and, and this is before he won those second two titles, uh, you know, when we got Paul Gasol. So um, it's just crazy to me, right? It was very, it was very reminiscent of Jordan, when he signed on to be with the Dream Team, yeah. he was going to spend, after being in the finals and everything else, he was going to spend that summer just playing golf, relaxing, everything he said he was going to do. And then knowing that Chuck Daly was on board, that that's the thing that kind of put him over the top on joining, joining the team on top of some of the other players that were coming too. And with Kobe, it was almost the same exact scenario. So it's, so much of his career mimicked and, and mirrored Jordan for good reason. I mean, why wouldn't you? went to one of near the best player in the history of basketball, but uh, Kobe was the same thing. He found out coach K was the guy and that's, that was instantly what brought him, brought him on board. And he was going to spend that summer resting his body, rehabbing some of the things he needed to do for the next season. And he was like, no way he's uh, want to represent my country with coach K. And that was, it was just such a cool, a, a cool thing. And, and such a cool thing for Duke because it, it helped Duke out so much after that. Cause the two thousands weren't, they weren't very kind to Duke after after oh oh four really and and that really that really turned the tide on what we have now seen as Duke's greatest decade. It, you can say it started back then, and probably say it started with Kobe joining on and all the high praise he had for K at the time. Yeah, and uh, I think it really starts with uh, his relationship that he has with uh, a guy like Kyrie Irving. Uh, Kyrie. Yeah. Uh, that was his idol. He openly talks about uh, his relationship with Kobe, and uh, everybody remembers, you know, that video of of him and and Kobe uh, when Kyrie was just on the select team, um, you know, going back and forth, playing one on one for fifty thousand uh, dollars to go hit the charity, and um, you know, just it kind of started there. But um, to your point about uh, Kobe and his relationship with Kay. I think that probably played a played a, a factor in why you know guys started to to do and you know trusting K that can get him to that level where there was always that stigma that uh, Duke guys don't play well in the NBA, uh, Duke doesn't utilize big men, all these different ridiculous uh, negative yep. recruiting things that were out there. Um, we always say that Kyrie was the guy that really turned it for us. Um, you know, and and one of the reasons why was his relationship uh, and the guy that he looked up to in, in Kobe Bryant. And um, from there on, you know, Kobe had great relationships with so many of our guys, like Kyrie, uh, Tatum, uh, Ingram, Quinn Cook. And I think that it really, 
speaks to not only his relationship with Kay, but, you know, his relationship with a lot of the players. And uh, we always talk about um, how Kyrie was kind of that first domino, that first fifth-time recruit that we always point to, to to get the ball rolling for us, you know, that snowball effect to be able to help us get the Austin Rivers, Jabari Parker, Ingram, Tatum, all the way up to, you know, this past year with, with guys like Zion and RJ. Um, yeah, the Canadian so, Mamba, right? <laughs> right, the Canadian Mamba. I mean, look at it yep. that way too, right? Um, but he, you know, Kobe built relationships with so many of our guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he yeah, built Ryan Kelly with him with the Lakers. Yeah, Kyrie, yeah, like you just said. You, know, yeah. uh, you also had, you know, what was the last summer where, you know, he's working with Jason Tatum privately uh, on, mm-hmm. you know, different moves. And, and, and just like uh, just like Jordan and, and, and Kobe's relationship, uh, he openly talked about, Jordan openly talked about how he looked at Kobe as kind of a little brother to him. Because yep. um, he saw himself in Kobe. And yep. Kobe, you know, came out and, and said that, you know, of the, the guys that he has the closest relationship with in the league, um, he talked about he talked about Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that relationship. And, and you know uh, more than I do, uh, and you can speak to some of the relationships he's built with, with other guys, um, you know, within, within the Duke, you know, brotherhood. Right. Yeah, I mean, because you can even, you can bring up Carlos Boozer, who played with the Lakers briefly, and... I mean, the list goes on and on. Anyone who has been in the NBA has been touched by Kobe Bryant in some way, shape, or form with their career. And it's just his, his impact. It's in, his impact is so great, and it, it positively affects everything that we see with Duke and the guys that we have at Duke looking up to him moving forward. I mean, I mean, Jason Williams, like he has a great story about how he thought he was working hard and they had a game against the Lakers. So that was his first big time game against the Lakers. So he went to the gym super early, two, three hours early to get hundreds of shots up before the game and work out and work out and work out. And then he said, he sees Kobe walk in and Kobe starts his workout. And he said, he's, he, Jason said, he's, you know, kind of going through the motions, but he's still getting shots up, sweating a little bit. He said, Kobe is in a full dead sweat, breathing heavy hands on his knees from how hard he's working. And he's like, man, he's working hard. So then Jason Williams said he stepped his game a little bit and started working out a little bit harder and a little bit harder and a little faster because he's watching Kobe do this thing. And then finally he said his workout plan is over. So he goes and sits down and he says, Kobe is still working out, still going, still working out. So then he says after the game, he comes back and he talks to him. He's like, Kobe, what's going on, man? He's like, I saw you before the game. You worked out so long and so hard. What's the deal, man? And he was like, I came in. I wanted to make sure I showed you that no matter what you do, I'm willing to work that much harder than you ever will to be the greatest in this league. And he said that was, just, that was something that had such an impact on his life, not only his basketball career, but the career he has now in, in broadcasting. So it's just, you know, again, it's it's endless. The stories are endless and the relationships are endless. And and it just, you know, with with the new guys that we have, and they're young, but they still have seen Kobe, and they still have seen him. They might not have seen him as much in his prime, but they know who he is, and they're all students of the game. They know what he's done. Like we just said, RJ Paris is a Canadian Mamba, man. That's that's a, a moniker he earned, and so far it looks like he's he's earning it in the league, and hopefully he progresses to that point. And it's 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 awesome, man. It's it's awesome. At the same time, it's just it's such a devastating thing to have happen because I know he's close to all the guys at Duke, especially Kay. 
and and K's got to be. I'm, I'm interested to see what what the team does tomorrow uh, in, in honor of Kobe. I'm sure there's going to be something, whether it's just some words, a moment of silence, something something with the shoes. You know what I mean? There's there's, there's going to be something. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to see what they do. Yeah, and you know we were talking about a little bit beforehand how you know Kobe came into the league 17, 18 years old, bushy tailed, bright eyed, and when he came into the league, it was really as Jordan was about to kind of gracefully kind of leave, you know, before the whole mm-hmm. Wizards thing. But um, what they, the NBA kind of made Kobe the face of the league. And, you know, because it was him and Grant Hill for a while, and then obviously Grant had all those injuries, and it was Kobe. It was Kobe's yep. league. And even though he was playing with Shaq, um, you know, Kobe was kind of that, you know, the sprite commercials. Kobe was the face of that league, and he was the face of the league for so long. Uh, even with LeBron there, um, you know, guys, you know, especially a lot of these players that are in the league now, a lot of these young guys, that was their Jordan. Kobe was their Jordan. Yep. Uh, still is still is their Jordan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of that is, is just the way that he, he he's drive and determination, like you were talking about with the story with that, with Jay Williams. And um, we, we, we think now about a, a new guy, being the face of the league, and that's our own Zion Williamson. And we'll wrap up this segment. You know, they asked Zion after the game last night just to kind of give his thoughts on uh, on Kobe, and it was really sad to, to hear his, his voice kind of crack at the end and say, no, nah, man, I never got to meet him. And you can just right. see how disappointed Zion was that he never got to meet a, a hero of his. And... Um, and and really kind of get that proper passion to the torch. And I know it's LeBron, but but really you can see it in their faces that like to to get that blessing from Kobe yep. meant something to them. Um, yeah, isn't that, isn't that crazy yeah. that he never met him in his time so far between games and and travel and everything else? It's nuts that he hadn't hadn't even had a chance to meet Kobe. Yeah, he said. Um, so uh, let's transition here uh, as best we can. Uh, we did play a game last week. Um, you know, with all the stuff that happened, uh, it feels like a lifetime ago. Um, you know, we, we uh, played Miami. Uh, Miami's obviously um, pretty banged up themselves. Um, you know, we, we just blew the doors off from 89 to 59. Uh, you know, a, another game where, where Matthew Hurt really bounced back from a tough game uh a tough you know team game even though he played decent mm-hmm. against New Orleans a tough team game he he's shown the ability Matthew Hurt has shown the ability to really kind of be resilient um you know yep. he if he has a tough showing or the team has a tough showing to, to kind of step up and balance back and and really be that third scorer that we desperately need um, he loves playing against Miami that's yeah apparently he likes playing against Miami um it was nice to see Joey Baker come back and, and, and get his shot and, and hit three of five. Uh, the team was 11 of 25, so uh, from deep. So, like, you know, it was nice to see us um, shoot the ball much better than we did, obviously, against Louisville. Um, what, what were your, you know, kind of thoughts coming away from this one? Well, it's I, – I won't go as far as to say it's fool's gold, but it's definitely a great – that's a great team for this team to have after that little rough stretch yeah, because sure. – they fit what we do. I mean, they, they play a little more of a traditional roster. This, this team that we have plays really, really well against traditional rosters. 
it's it's one of those things where you limit the amount of ball handlers on the floor. What we do on defense really takes over, and that's the hallmark of this team right now is the defensive end of the ball. But when you have teams that spread things out, as we've talked about before, it just makes it difficult for the squad. So Miami is a good it's, – it's a good kind of, you know, one of those almost come-to-Jesus teams for us to play. We get yep. to reset, right? learn some things about ourselves, get some guys some good time, and – and then move forward. And with the coming games within this next stretch we have, it's going to be very difficult. So that that kind of gave this team, plus the bye week going into this this week that we have right now, that kind of gave this team a good reset, I think. And I, I, I just like that game. I like the way everyone played. I thought everyone played better. Everyone did. They played their jobs better. They did everything they needed to do. And, you know, obviously we came around with a 30-point win. So what can you complain about there? You know, we, I literally, I think I said at the very end of the last podcast, you know, Miami coming in was just what the doctor ordered. Yep, uh, yep. It's what we needed, uh, just, just like you were saying. Um, you know, a couple of shout outs. Uh, I thought Jack White, again, played very well. Um, mm-hmm. Gloria had uh, nine rebounds. That was nice to see. Um, yeah, it's a traditional lineup, man. Uh, Against yeah. a traditional lineup, he yeah. works. He's great. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, I think you're on to something with that. Um before we switch to, to our predictions, um, do you make anything of the ridiculous scoring spree in the last couple minutes, garbage time, Alex O'Connell? What I make of it is Coach K, either Coach K or or he took it upon himself to show the staff or somebody. Maybe that's sometimes with K, it's not I'm going to give you thing and everything else. Sometimes K wants guys to show him something. And All right maybe that's what that was from Alex. He just, it wasn't like he went in and just took over or anything of like that. He just, he went to show him, Hey, I'm going to drive. I'm going to attack the basket. I'm going to do these things that I'm sure that they're telling him he needs to do in practice and hadn't been doing. And it just looked like he was having fun it and, and was trying to prove a point. It, it really looked like he was trying to prove a point. So the game was, it was garbage time. The game was already decided. It wasn't like it was anything important for the team, but it just, right. it looked like it was important for Alex. And I just hope that that carries over because the next two weeks we're really going to need contributions from everyone on the team, everyone. So yeah, that was, that was nice yeah, to see out of him. Yeah, it was. Um, so I think you're exactly right in terms of, I think that's one of those moments, you know, I think we've all been there at some point probably in, in our, in our lives uh, in terms of, uh, you know, athletics where coach, you know, puts you on the pine mm-hmm. or trying to send you a message and, how do mm-hmm. you respond? And I think that, right. um, yeah, who knows how it's going to translate, but uh, or if it'll come to anything. But uh, give credit to Alex for, uh, you know, at least hustling those last couple minutes, the, the only minutes he really got. Um, yep. So, That's you know, fine. good win. And uh, we do have a, a couple games that we want to touch on, uh, give our predictions on. Uh, Tuesday night, we play uh, Pitt, 9 p.m. Um, you know, Jeff Capel. Obviously, you know, a guy that we love, part of the brotherhood, uh, a guy mm-hmm. that recruited so many of uh, those, you know, top flight guys over the last few years. Um, we thank him for beating UNC twice this year. Um, so he's already done great work as far as I'm concerned. Pitts is a team. Um, you know, he's done a remarkable job in, you know, less than two years uh, being there. Uh, what do you anticipate uh, being the game plan against Pitt and Jeff Capel tomorrow? It's gonna have to be, it's gonna have to be how we handle their 
they're rebounding from their guard position. They're a very tough rebounding team from the guard position, especially. They have really good guards. Capable coaches these guys up well. So it's it's not going to be an easy thing. They have they have a solid squad, but this again in Cameron, this game should be a game that we take. Like we we should take this game. I don't know that we'll run away with it by thirty points like we did against Miami, but I, I do think win this game by double digits. So I really think I, I can't see us not scoring eighty. So I'm I'm going to say eighty to seventy. But Pitt does have they have a good scoring squad. Trey McGowan is a really good player. I really like his game a lot, and it's 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 going to be fun at least to see Cable and Cameron with his guys, Xavier Johnson, those guys. It's it's going to be fun. Yeah, and I hope the uh, the students actually show up this time. Um, yeah. thought, oh my god, dude, what was, was that? I, it, I don't know. I thought it was embarrassing to be quite frank. Uh, Jim Marinaghi yep. even a pot shot uh, at the fans deservedly so. It was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So I hope any mm-hmm. students that are listening, um, please go to the game. Please, please support your team. Um, you know, if 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 if, if anything, you know, uh, whatever. Right? Just just go support your team, and that's yeah. you know really the bottom line. Um, you know, I think that we should win this game. It's our last game at home. Um, you know, for a while we got three straight uh, away games after this. So, uh, give me Duke in this one. Uh, 83 to 74, very, very similar to, to your score. I think it's going to be that type of game. Saturday night, 8 p.m., we go up to the Carrier Dome, a place that always gives us a raucous crowd, uh, that always gives us problems. In the years that we um, we do big things, usually, we can go up there and compete. Syracuse mm-hmm. has done a great job um, kind of turning the corner so far this season and you know they're 13 and 7 but they they're really starting to ascend and so this is going to be a really tough game we talked about traditional uh lineups this is anything but right so right it's going to be you know going up against the zone you have to imagine joey baker's licking his chops to get back to the carrier dome Hmm. this is where he burned the red shirt last year so um alex o'connell you know he's had success against syracuse is this going to be a time for, for both of those guys to step up, knock down threes against that zone? Um, you know, is it going to be a time where Vern gets himself back to double-digit rebounds? He should be able to get rebounds against the zone. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pick first. I think this is going to be a very, very difficult game. Uh, I mm-hmm. think I mean, it would not surprise me in the least to see Syracuse win this game. But I'm going to stick with Duke, uh, and I'm going to go 84-80. to 80. Yeah, that's not a bad pick. Syrac- One thing about Syracuse this season, they've squandered leads and they have not finished games well. Even though they've won, you know, obviously won most of the games they've played, some of those games were much bigger leads and then they kind of squandered them. So y- you you wonder if they do get some kind of lead because of momentum and things like that on us, if we'll be able to to push back into this game. I think we can. Obviously, we've seen it in the two losses we had with Clemson and Louisville. We were able still to push back. And, and have a chance to win the game. So if we're in a position like that against Syracuse, I feel a little better than I would against Clemson and Louisville. Buddy Beheim, Beheim has played like a first-team All-ACC player this whole ACC season. He's been great, and so is Elijah Hughes. That guy has been amazing. It, Joe Girard, even, he, he's he's their third scorer, man. He's yep. the, the, the great Joe Girard, who we were looking at very heavily there for a while. So that, this is going to be a little bit of a, 
not even that a revenge game per se, but he's he's going to come out extra motivated this game as well. They they put Dolazage in the middle. We're not going to see a lot of instances of five out. I don't I don't think or anything like that. Bayheim doesn't play that way anyway. So I do like that for Duke. So I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go Duke eighty. I'm going to do go Duke eighty to Syracuse to seventy. This is not going to be okay. the same team as last year. We we couldn't shoot last year, whereas this team is a good shooting team. So as long as we're shooting well, we should be all right against the zone. For sure. Uh, and then we'll wrap this up. Usually we just do the, the games this week, but with Carolina uh, quickly approaching, we want to dedicate our, our entire next podcast to that. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll get the, uh, the next Tuesday game, uh, 2-4, uh, February 4th, and uh, that's at 7 p.m. up in uh, up in Boston College. Uh, look at Conti Forum. Is that what that is? Conti Forum. Conti right? Forum. Yep. Yeah. Um, I should know that since my <laughs> sister went to DC. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, this is a team that we, we opened up with, uh, you know, earlier in, in, in the season. And yep. we, we took them to test. Uh, but that was in Cameron. Do you expect much different uh, this time around um, up, in, uh, up in Boston? Not really. The, ga- the same game plan applies for them. It's it's not one of those things where Jim Christian has them doing something totally different that's remedied their situation. They did have a big win against Tech this week at Virginia Tech this weekend at home. So playing obviously playing NBC is going to be a little bit of a challenge, but he's not doing anything special. CJ Felder's been playing well for them. Derek Thornton has not. Jay Heath has been playing well for them, but those are all young guys. I, I don't. I don't think that they're going to be able to sustain this game, and I, I think this is a bigger win for us, especially going into this this hard week. This is a hard ten days, man. At Syracuse, at BC, at UNC, followed up two days later, home against FSU. Not a good stretch. I do see us winning this game, eighty to sixty-two. Pretty big win. Yeah, you know it's going to be tough though because, uh, like you said, this is going to be our third. Um, you know, game uh, in in the short stretch, our second one on the road, and then mm-hmm. we're gonna go right back, uh, you know, on, on the road again. But we'll touch on that game next week. Yep. Um, I think it's gonna be. I think we're gonna be tired. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of it's gonna depend on the outcome of Saturday night's game against Syracuse to see what team kind of shows up and how they respond to whatever happens in that game. So mm-hmm. uh, this one's a little bit tougher to predict, in my opinion. Um, hopefully it is very similar to the first time we played them earlier in the uh, ACC season. Um, but give me Duke in this one again, um, 74 to 60. I think we might have some, some, some struggles shooting the ball. Yeah, um, I can see that. Been how, the, how the season uh, got, has gone. Um, yeah. And so one thing I think, I think K will probably keep the team. I think they'll, he'll, I think he'll probably keep the team up there too because they're playing in Syracuse. I would think so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, I imagine would they so. come back to North Carolina before having to go back to just, Boston. Yeah, so just that to might help right a little back. bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would, I would think that that's what's going to happen. That might help. Uh, I agree. Um, so that that's the three games that we have coming up again. Pitt uh, tonight, 9 p.m. Um, Syracuse, 8 p.m. on Saturday, and then next Tuesday, uh, February 4th, BC, 7 p.m. Uh, up at BC and. Uh, to, to wrap this podcast up in, in our final segment, um, Let's play. AC, I know you have some uh, some words with uh, that, that that Kobe left behind that uh, that you wanted to share. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end. You know, normally we have our our ending music, but with this one, we're gonna we're gonna give you an excerpt from Kobe's Dear Basketball. It's it's it won an imagine a, a basketball cartoon animation won an Oscar. How, how's that sound? So it's. 
it's such a poignant piece before all of this happened. And if you love basketball, then it's something that if you've heard it already, it touches you. But in this moment, it's it, it, it carries a little bit of a different meaning. So we're going to leave you with with Dear Basketball with Kobe Bryant. And we'll give you the uh, we'll give you the Mamba out this time. Mamba out. Dear Basketball. From the moment I started rolling my dad's tube socks and shooting imaginary game-winning shots in the Great Western Forum, I knew one thing was real. I fell in love with you. A love so deep, I gave you my all. From my mind and body to my spirit and soul. As a six-year-old boy, deeply in love with you. I never saw the end of the tunnel. I only saw myself running out of one. And so I ran. I ran up and down every court after every loose ball for you. You asked for my hustle. I gave you my heart. Because it came with so much more. I played through the sweat and the hurt. Not because challenge called me. But because you called me. I did everything for you. Because that's what you do when someone makes you feel as alive as you've made me feel. You gave a six-year-old boy his Laker dream. And I'll always love you for it. But I can't love you obsessively for much longer. This season is all I have left to give. My heart can take the pounding. My mind can handle the grind. But my body knows it's time to say goodbye. And that's okay. I'm ready to let you go. I want you to know now so we both can savor every moment we have left together. The good and the bad. We have given each other all that we have. And we both know no matter what I do next, I'll always be that kid with the rolled up socks, garbage can in the corner, Five seconds from the clock, ball in my hands. Five, four, three, two, one. Love you always, Kobe.